content warning. The following podcast contains material that involves self-harm, mental illness, eating disorders, profanity, and other graphic contents. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Kaylee. This is Sarah. Jess is here as well. And, and we're... <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted me to introduce myself. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, actually, perfect. This is Miss Valerie Herb from Roseville High School, um, where I went, and she's here as our guest speaker today to do a lovely interview about the program and her own personal experiences. Yes. So we got. Thank you again so much for coming on this week for taking time to come talk to us. We're so excited to have you. Um, we're hoping to have a more in-depth discussion about your experiences with mental health, mental illness, and awareness on high school campuses, since that's what our emphasis is on. So if you want to give a quick introduction, like how, how you know Kaylee, <laughs> how we brought you on here. Wonderful. Um, I'm a, currently a teacher at Roseville High School. I teach a peer helping program. Um, it's a program that I had the um, honor of writing the curriculum four years ago, uh, before living in Roseville, I was training peer counselors up north in the Chico area and working for Butte County Office of Ed. Um, when I met Kaylee at Roseville High, we have a class running at the school, and one of the students that was a peer helper in the program that learns peer counseling bumped into Kaylee. Have you shared this, Kaylee? And, uh, yes, I have. <laughs> and I'm going to call her Kay sometimes because she was going to <laughs> And um, she... Uh, she was in a bad place, and the student heard her and reached out to her and became a mentor, a peer counselor to Kay. Um, Kay has stated that the program really saved her life because she was in such a state of depression that she wanted to take her life. Um, yeah. Uh, it's been a beautiful full circle thing because Kay became a peer helper who just helped so many with her story because she was so transparent about that story. And so open with her life for others to, to get help when they needed it. And um, just drew so many people to her. She's, she has spoken at board meetings with me. We did a school for the staff um, lesson. And, and um, it's just an honor to be here with Kay because I think that highly of her, you know. Thank um, you so much. You were, I've mentioned definitely my my school mom, I used to say, Ms. Herb was my school mom. She took care of me and was my whole support system on on campus and who I looked up to most, especially and going forward with my degree as well, just who I've always looked up to. So I am beyond excited that you are here and that I still have such a great connection with you. So I'm very glad. Um, I feel like my favorite story that you used to tell us that really impacted us about your starting out was um, how you started out working with both uh, the class at the regular school, but then also the kids that were deemed like almost unfit to be in traditional like public school um, and just how like that inspired you with your peer helping program and all of that. Um, you know, just the differences in who you may think is going to be the better group mental and emotional wise yes um for years before uh, i was training peer helpers in clubs at schools and things but i was also an at-risk advisor and i was working with troubled youth that were on probation because of drug abuse a lot of times you guys know um 
drugs are just a sign of a deeper need, right? And getting kids to really see that yeah. they're using drugs to escape. That's not just for fun. Um, so I think Kate might be re- recollecting a story where I was using the illustration of heart. I was working at the public school doing peer helping training and there was a boy at the public school that was hogtied and thrown in a locker in the gym. I just kids in PE that thought it was funny because he was a special needs kid and he was special needs actually because when he confided in me, his dad was a heroin addict. So at birth, he was, had birth defects, this child. Dad was in jail. He never was going to know his father and he suffers his whole life being labeled, um, as, you know, learning disabled and everything else based on drug abuse in his dad's life. And, um, so these kids were picking on him and I showed up that night at my drug awareness course. These are the kids that aren't fit to be at school. They're on probation. They've got their ankle monitors. They're struggling with crystal meth addiction and different things. And I shared the story about this boy being hogtied and how terrible it was that it took a while to find him and just people would be that cruel. And one of the kids in the class in the front, um, and again, it's a kid that parents might have been fearful of. He's like 17 years old with big goatee tats. You know, he just looks edgy, got his ankle monitor. And he just slams his hands down on the desk and says, that's effed up. And I'm editing it because you guys are, um, but you know, <laughs> F-bombs out there. <laughs> and, um, and, and just anger and rage saying, and I knew, like, if he was still at school, that never would have happened to that child. Because here's a kid that's suffering that understands drug abuse and pain. And even though he might be labeled like, you're not the one we trust, he actually was the one that would have had this kid's back. And so we about that in in the program just like how do you really know a person's heart right absolutely of what we measure with you know i need to be measuring eq right so i wrote my master's thesis on emotional intelligence stuff and that's really what peer helping is it's teaching kids you know just all the social awareness cues and how to have empathy and um and they're learning it without realizing it just by being what present for each other and helping each other yeah i talk a lot sorry (laughs) that's what what we want this is i really appreciate how candidly you can speak about these things that was one thing we were talking about most uh most importantly last episode was how few people are really comfortable just openly discussing the issues that they have and how that can really lead to kind of just feeling more isolated in it all and it sounds like part of your program was creating a comfortable environment where people can kind of explore themselves more and explore how they really aren't alone in it, which is such a beautiful thing. I wish I had your class in my high school experience. (laughs) Well, thank you. That is key. We want to be uh, transparent for everybody and open and uh, we don't want anyone to feel alone. Yeah. We start with that was, um, yeah. I would say that was my favorite part was that's what drew me in was the respect assembly, which that's what the whole assembly is about is, you know, people going up and, being like this is what's gone on with me and this is some of my stuff but you never know what people are going through so you're not alone and between that and our uh step on the line at our workshops where be step on the line if you've experienced this or that and it was a wide variety of you know examples and a wide variety of students would go up that you would never expect and so it really just made a community and when I remember there was only one time in my experience where someone was on the line alone for something and the moment they were on the line alone, everyone in the class applauded. And everyone in the class was like, well, you may be up there alone right now. Like, you're not alone in that. And we're all here and we all have your back. So that's that's what got me into helping was the community understanding. That's huge. That's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a really beautiful, beautiful <laughs> community. <laughs> 
Um, one thing actually I was always curious about, I wrote the question, um, Miss Herb was like, if any parents or faculty have ever reacted like negatively to some of the topics that we cover, like some of the like more taboo topics, because at least I, you know, as a student, that was nothing that I would have ever been exposed to. But I was just curious if you've ever had like backlash or anything. Yes. When we, um, when I came to Roseville and we opened Peer Helping as a program at our site, um, the first thing that caused a lot of backlash was our, um, if you knew me video. I don't know if Kate, uh, shared my website. I could put it in the chat, but I don't know if that'll mess up your videoing right now. Do you guys want the website in the chat? Then you can see, um, uh, let me see here. Absolutely. Everyone... Actually, if you're able um, to link the site, we can, um, post it in the show notes after. Yeah. We'll put it just we'll put it in with the description well, to make sure. Hang on. Check it if out. You, if you go to that link, the, the top of log entry right now is actually was a throwback of the video I got in a lot of trouble for. It was one of the first videos we made, and it was students doing If You Knew Me statements. And we had about 75 kids in three minutes finish the statement. They wanted to do it for the staff. I didn't make them do it. It was something they were learning in my program. It's just We talk about, like, we open up because we want others to be able to open up to us. We air out our wounds because they can't feel if you leave them hidden. And it opens with that, saying why we choose to share our lives. That video was made for staff by my students, but it just, in 2007 when we launched that thing, I think that's when we made it, I'm trying to remember, or 2009, it was somewhere in that range, um, that just freaked people out because kids were saying, I've been molested, and kids were saying, again, it was kids whose parents knew they were doing the video, whose parents had already reported these things and had people arrested for what had happened. Um, I didn't do things that were disrespectful for families, but it, for those people that were used to that kind of openness, I got in a lot of trouble. Um, and I did. I got in a lot of trouble. I got called to the principal's office. And um, so then what was interesting, and I think it was probably around 2011, I'm not sure. So here this thing was made in 2008 or nine or something. And 2011, I was made Teacher of the Year, and I was asked to play that exact video for the school board. The thing I got in a lot, a lot of trouble for, I was told to take it away, put it away. Um, so again, I think with people, it's just, you're slowly chipping away. And, and Kay knows this, when we reached out to freshman students, they don't know how to open up yet. We just accept that some kids are opening up and crying and talking to us, and other kids are just kind of like, mm, you know, <laughs> and we're chipping away. And usually the ones that are the most angry about it have the biggest or, or, or shelving issues. Um, and we just talk about is just keep loving them. And what's really cool is when you have someone as strong of a leader as someone like Kay, they go after those people in a good way. Like, we're going to just love that kid and get them to open up and get them to just crumble under our, you know. <laughs> and it happens. People melt. They melt from love. We do big love assemblies and we spread love and go around giving hugs and people melt in time. They do. Wow. That and that's just happened with this. The people that were opposed to what we're doing, um, now it's like our whole school has changed. Okay, the whole school does um, circle discussions now. We have school-wide circles where everyone does what was one of our favorite activities in class. And I'm always embarrassed. I want to say, I always like saying, did you know we did that for you? <laughs> but I just shut up. Okay, we're all just opening up now. We're all telling our stories. That's great. <laughs> so things change over time, right? And people soften and accept. But I did get in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. It wasn't It wasn't fun. <laughs> That's That makes me so happy that more people are, you know, there and seeing Mm -hmm. it. We had at some of our assemblies, like the principal would speak 
Yeah. I remember the first time we had the principal speak with us at one of our assemblies. And yeah, it was awesome. At first, some, some of the kids at first were like, oh, it's the principal and this and that. But then when you would, like, hear him speak, everyone was like, oh, my gosh. Like, we have a principal that's understanding and willing to do this with us and alongside us. So I'm not fully shocked that the school is moving towards, like, good directions. Like, I feel like we were already taking those little steps, so that makes me happy that it's that it's getting there even more. And I think, you guys, just what you're doing right now, you see the need for mental health, right? Um, mm-hmm. All schools are addressing it now. We have a wellness center. I mean, all nationwide, it's it's the number one concern right now. And and even with COVID, we're, we've got to be more concerned because kids are more isolated than ever. And, um, so at least people now are catching up, right? Um I think the people that are most uncomfortable are usually the ones that have something to hide, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think what you were saying just about the fact that that video was the thing that got you in trouble and then was celebrated just a number of years later really shows that there has been at least to some degree a trend towards things heading in the right direction, towards yeah. there being at least a bit more acceptance or even just curiosity about beginning that discussion, mm-hmm. which yeah. is a big reason that we're doing this because, I mean, I can say personally, I did not have that kind of resource in high school. I was blessed to have a group of friends who could be open and more candid with how we were feeling. But even then, we were just kind of, you know, just sharing it between each other, not really exploring it deeper, or finding solutions for it. Mm-hmm. And so it took around the age of getting to college to really start acknowledging the deeper issues behind the symptoms and discussing it more. And that is when it seems like things are starting to pick up and like people on the college campuses, teachers, like all these people seem to be more open about it, which Mm -hmm. helps encourage that in students as well. So that's why we want to do this for our, for our classmates. So they can hear, they've known us, they've known us for four years, but I guarantee that they know nothing about the things we've been talking about because we haven't had that kind of candid relationship. So we're just working to normalize that and hoping to find ways to do it earlier. Oh, that's huge. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So let's see. I'm checking some of the other questions that we've had because so many of them seem like just incredible discussion points that you brought up, really. Um, I guess, okay, for me personally, from not having any understanding of what your program was, and do you, like, if you'd like to share just, like, a breakdown of what steps you took in that, in your program, or what steps you think are the most valuable for students in your program? Okay. Um, Well, Peer Helper Program's been around for a long time, um, and everyone does them differently. That's what's wonderful about electives at school, that you might have a program that can make the books, and they'll say, oh, you know, we're offering this course. Um, it's unique. Sometimes it's only a club at school, so a lot of people contact me saying, how do you make this a course? And I uh, sometimes share curriculum with people so they can open a course. Um, for me, one of the hinge points that's very unique and different from some school programs where I've gone to train kids, say, in Yuba City that are peer helpers, I don't look for the kids that are interviewing in, that get all the teacher recommendations, that are our most academic kids, that are our most respected kids. And when I say respected, how we earn respect on a school campus is different. It might be you have perfect attendance. It might be that you are the smartest kid we know. It might be that you want this on your resume so you don't look just good because it has community service in it, kind of. Um, any kid that wants to come in peer helping to in peer helping. So what that meant was 
We have kids that struggle with drug abuse that are in our class along with kids that are very academic. We have athletes that are in our class along with kids that are special needs. We have um, anywhere anywhere in between, any identity, any culture. We have English language learners that barely speak English in our class. Um, because, again, I didn't want it to be defined as a certain group of people. I wanted it to be a program where we represented the whole body of people. And I feel like I wanted to also mirror what I knew as a kid. In high school, I struggled with drugs. And my freshman and sophomore year, I was identified as, like, the school slut, drug addict girl. Um, I was on welfare. I uh, came from a split family. I was very sexually promiscuous because I had been raped in high school and had no self-esteem. And then I turned my life around and started working on my grades and caring. And then I saw what it was to be very alone in school. Um, I had to sit in the library and get my grades up. And good kids didn't accept me because they only knew me as this girl that dealt drugs and got in trouble. And the kids that were still doing all those things didn't accept me because now I'm no fun. I'm worried about my future and trying to straighten my life out. Um, so I felt like our program needed to meet people in all those areas, whether it's the loner or the most popular kid that's partying or anywhere in between. So we need to be those things. So no, we have kids that frustrate teachers sometimes and I'm always embarrassed because they're like, they're a peer helper. And I'm like, yeah, they're a peer helper and we love them too. You know, and it's like this tricky thing where they think it means automatic leader because most schools only let those kids be in the program. Mm. Does that I don't know if you guys know what I mean by that, yeah, um, but a lot definitely. of people want the best in something like this. And I say anybody that wants to come, yeah. That's I made friends from all groups in that class. I remember walking around with my friends, and I would say hi to people from Care Helping, and they'd be like, how do you know them? Like, <laughs> I remember specifically, the big one was when Austin came back to school. Austin came back, and oh, my God, I love that boy so much. He is a saint. <laughs> This boy is a saint, but he had a really big reputation with drugs and partying and being this bad boy. And, oh, my gosh, he was an angel. Like, just the sweetest kid you'd ever meet. And I, we got really close. Um, he had lost a friend, and we got grew closer, and I would say hi to him all the time. And my friends were always like, why are you talking to him? I'm like, because he's amazing. Like, he's a great dude. And we had people in there that struggled with like anger issues and stuff like that and that's all people knew and they were amazing people like some of my really close connections so I feel like you, that's an amazing point because I sure as heck wouldn't have wanted just the top tier top tier students in there that wouldn't have helped me at all so yeah so with our our premise or our idea being that we're always growing every day so yeah maybe someone's growing from a lower place like when I say that um, I don't mean that I'm labeling, labeling a child, but I might have a student that comes into our program from foster care and they don't trust that we're a home and that we're a family yet. And it takes them longer to grow and it takes them longer to trust us. And that's okay. Um, their base is different than someone that's already been in a home where they're fully loved and uh, accepted. Right. So we just kind of accept everybody and make a home for them. Absolutely. I feel like in a high school setting, even more, that's so important because so often you can kind of become a caricature of your most known feature, whether you're a jock, you're a nerd, you're like, it's like the very typical separations that are so often given in high school. And by having a community like that where you can be more genuine and authentic, it bridges the gap between people and makes such 
a healthy community. I love that. That just sounds like such a beautiful intention. I don't know if I, I mean, I think your question just was, yeah, about which kids we pick, but that would be one of the differing things. And then where all peer offer programs are the same is that they um, all teach the peer counseling component. They teach students to counsel other students. So I've been enlisted to help schools where they have said, how do you get kids to come talk to students? Um, and I, we do it by our respect assembly. Again, there's a video link to that. If you, if you go to the website link I gave you, there's a YouTube channel. You could, that's our most popular video is our respect assembly. You can look at it there, a little clip of it. Um, that, uh, that, um, premise to get kids to open up and come for peer counseling comes from David Rothenberg. I, with gasoline by his father's, you know, his dad set fire to him when he was seven years old. And this is a famous boy. Um, he since just recently passed away. Um, he was well known. I mean, he's been on, uh, there's been movies made of his life. And he was in the first class I ever taught. And I noticed how kids respected him, even though he had no fingertips, he had no hair, his ears were burned off. Um, he was very scarred. But I realized they respected David. And they would tease other kids, like the cheerleader, they would call her a slut or a hoe or the football guy. They'd be like, duh, make, make dumb jokes to him. And I was in this class learning to student teach. And here David walks in, and you could hear a pin drop when he spoke up. And I realized it was because he wore his story. They saw the scars. They knew there's David Rothenberg, who changed his name to Robinson, um, who's been through so much that his dad would set fire to him and leave him to die. Um, so they gave him tremendous respect. So we – that's a hallmark for our class where we're kind of like we um, anchor on that. We open with that school wide and we basically say everyone has scars. And um, so that's part of our training. And then peer helpers all open up their own scars. And that's why that If You Knew Me video was made that got me in so much trouble because people weren't used to all these kids opening up about such deep things. Mm-hmm. Kids saying I've struggled with suicidal thoughts or I've, you know, it, it scares people. I think the truth scares people. Um Sometimes when I open up those cans and students tell me, oh, this many boys have asked me for naked pictures, I'm like, ah, you want to put it all away. You're like, you don't, you didn't want to have to hear that. But that's our culture. We need to know that that's just where kids are facing, they're facing this day. You have a 13 year old freshman in class that has asked, been asked to do many things that you're shocked by that the parent, if they knew, would be very concerned by, right? Absolutely. The whole yeah. subculture of young people and the things they know and do. And so when we open that up, it makes people uncomfortable. But we, we go there because how do you help people? Again, the wounds bandage and how do you heal unless you open up, right? You can't heal. So. Exactly. That was something we touched on last week just in passing with the discussion of how a lot of times people have a harder time coming to terms with mental health issues because they aren't physical in the way where you can't see what a person is struggling with. And so unless there is that mm-hmm. comfort, having that kind of discussion with someone, a lot of times they only see the external aspects, like the traits that you might give off because of the mental illness, but they won't know what's going on inside unless you have these kind of discussions. So I think that's a big reason why it's so important to destigmatize the idea of being candid about our flaws mm-hmm. because it happens. I mean, all of us have internal struggles. All of us have issues that we're dealing with. So I think that is just such 
a good metaphor for it too. That really well, is. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. You would have been one of our speakers in the assembly because that would be <laughs> basically we all have scars. You just don't see them, and I'm going to share what mine are with you. Yeah. <laughs> and David's like a picture of scars that are shown. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have had you. <laughs> oh, I would have loved to have those. <laughs> Definitely gave everyone a leg up at our school. <laughs> and I can yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I went to high school with so many people who needed more help than they got. And firsthand, I mean, even I was dealing with so much anxiety, depression, all of the just a whole lot of traumas on top of each other. And it took me until junior year of college to even try going to therapy or anything like that because like most people deal with, they kind of have that thought of like, oh, other people have it worse. Like, I'm functional. I'm good. I'm okay. So, yeah. Uh, whenever you have a program, if you ever do anything like off of campuses, <laughs> get in touch with me. I'd love to do this with you. I would love to figure out how to help college campuses have something where people open up and talk. I really would. Um, that my heart would help anyone that would want it you know, get something going, obviously. But that's the same heart you guys have. That's why you're doing this. Yeah. That was going to be one of my questions for you, actually. Do you think that this program would be as successful on a college campus? Like, would it be implemented as kind of like a one-time thing or like all through the semester? Like, if if you could, how would you imagine implementing this on a college campus? I would imagine a course that, because I think um, feeling like, young people could come together and have what you have in high school. And when kids have gone away and gone to college, they say, Oh, I wish we had something where people were coming together for a purpose, for a mission, connecting on a real level. Um, So I think it would just be very much what we do at the high school. Um, Whether we open up a forum, because we'll do these assemblies or talks, we could do that at the college where you'd say, okay, we're going to have a talk. We're going to talk. You know, and, and there's so many areas we do what we call our couch talk rooms. We bring that couch in the classroom, and that's where we talk about sen- sensitive issues like sex and, you know, things that parents might be more. So if it's called a couch talk, that's kind of a showing we're going to kind of go there, you know, <laughs> on, the, on the couch talking about this. Um, in the assembly, when we do the respect assembly, again, that would fit on college, just, just saying you don't know who's passing by you on your campus, who's sitting next to you in this room right now and what they're going through, uh, teaching empathy is huge. And then it's an amazing thing when you have an assembly and you might have a thousand people at it and you do an open mic at the end and other people come down and do an if you knew me statement. They're just listening and you're shocked that our being open in that hour invokes this reaction and all these other people to open up to us. And that's what's powerful. They're crying and we're holding them. And um, so that's needed everywhere, you know? Absolutely. I think honestly we have, the leadership course that's an elective course that's in no mistake particular Um, that's one that they have a lot of people take um but it's all for like residential advisors and stuff like that and i know people that have taken it that are like it's really just like team building exercises things like that you're learning how to be almost a role model for other people but you're not always learning the tools to connect and like really build relationships always and I feel like, especially with Sonoma State already having that, like, it really could be something that could be implemented. But I feel like people like us just got to push for. I just think, obviously, funding-wise, I don't know how it works with the public schools because I know there's obviously allocated funding, but also the same with colleges. 
Um, being willing to designate that, those funds towards this type of course, I think is, is the big battle. Um, I, our program in particular, Miserb, um, cause it is Socratic based. So it's seminar, reading, writing, small groups. It's really diving in and becoming what they call conscious citizens and conscious human beings. Um, we're fighting for funding right now. Um, and we're fighting to keep our program because it's seen as like the untraditional. educational route so because we're not in the stem programs that's really Mm -hmm. what we're we're not people in our classroom exactly it's like we're not science we're not math we're not psychology and we're small class numbers we're 14 people to one professor Mm -hmm. and so because of that we are we're a relic (laughs) of past schooling times but i really feel like our at very least our major would absolutely love this kind of program and I think you're right Kaylee if we can somehow in our last three weeks come up with a way of (laughs) suggesting that this is implemented in that training program because especially coming in freshman year I feel like that could be such a good step into kind of self-discovery because I feel like a lot of people go through a big transition of independence when coming to college Mm -hmm. and Another kind of heavier note that actually our classmates suggested we cover in this podcast if we get the chance, and this kind of seems like a good time to, was that they asked how we would address the impacts of sexual assault and rape on mental health. Because, of course, on college campuses, we know the statistics. And, I mean, hell, our first day of college, they showed us a movie called The Hunting Grounds, which was about the statistics of rape on college campuses, predominantly against women. And during our time, I knew many people who were sexually assaulted. We had frats who were shut down and defunded because they were actively participating in hazing that had to do with rape and sexual assault. So it happens so frequently on college campuses. And I feel like, like you were saying, just having that discussion, having that, if you knew me, vulnerability with this, like, I think a lot of people would feel at least like they had a community. It wouldn't fix the problem, but it could help people at least take those steps towards coming to peace a little bit internally with it. Yeah. I think, yeah. One, if someone's keeping something inside and not able to talk about it, that they can't heal from that. They need to know that they're not alone. I do think sometimes when people are vocal about things that have happened, it might stop actions from others. I don't know if girls are keeping the offensive secret sometimes and that doesn't, help like you need to make things public so that it stops those perpetrators or those people that are it right um yeah yeah. i was one of those people that i never i was raped in high school and never say anything because i didn't want to get in trouble because i had cut school and i was doing drugs that day yeah Um, i was afraid so and And i now a downward spiral yeah 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 Um, i know Personally, I'm sorry that was your opening to school. And I was thinking <laughs> that would be a great thing for like an open your helping when you guys come in and it, like how to implement something. Just have a big retreat where all these college kids get together yeah. and just talk real and really open up. Learn empathy because a person learning empathy is so important. They may not do these cruel acts, right? Yeah, I definitely think too. Like. Because, yeah, the first intro to our program with that was really rough, and it was such a shock after coming from peer help and coming from something where it's very sensitively talked about. Um, and also, it was something that was really 
triggering. There was no warning. Yes. Um, I think that was a really big problem with it too, Minister, was uh, there was no warning on that. Um, so we went into this and it was really hard to sit through and know that they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a discussion after and like it's for credit and this and that. Um, and it was it was tough. I think if we had had something that was more opening and more honest and more, you know, less pushy and more mm-hmm. empathetic, I, it would have made a huge impact, um, especially for people mm-hmm. like myself, where um, I was in a very similar situation to you, Mister, um, in high school. And, you know, I was sexually assaulted. I didn't report it because I was scared and I'd gotten in trouble for stuff. So I thought I it wouldn't matter because I'd gotten in trouble. So it won't matter and no one's going to believe it. And it is what it is. And um, I think if there had been like more of a support and more of a a difference in that, I think it would have pushed me more towards being open and being willing to address it rather than it coming out later, like this year in school and me now going to therapy and dealing with it now when it's really late and it's been affecting me for years. So I'm so sorry to hear that. Really sorry. Thank you. You were the reason I was, I was strong. So I will say, while I'm sad that I didn't do anything in the moment, I'm beyond grateful for, you know, the things that did keep me going and kept me good and kept me strong and being able to help others was a huge part of that. Being able to be there for others and, you know, myself, cause, uh, you can't see right now, but behind Reserve is the Pure Helping logo, which is a arm reaching up, grabbing an arm reaching down. And that whole symbol of there are people that need help, and sometimes you're reaching up for help and you need it. Um, but sometimes you're the people in the class that are reaching down and you're trying to get give that help and lift others up and be there. Um, and sometimes you can be both. Sometimes you need both. Um, that's something that really impacted me because I was someone that definitely needed both, and I went through peer counseling at times throughout the program and at other times I was peer counseling others. And, you know, I think, I think healing can come from many different ways and we just have to allow for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Regarding sexual assault, I was just thinking I was sitting with my sister the other day, she's 28 and she said so casually, like I don't have a friend who hasn't been either roofied or raped or sexually assaulted in some way and it almost it it didn't shock me because it's the same for me but it shocked me when I watched her say it and it was so casual and it was just like and then I thought back to things that have happened to me and my friends and most of the time we didn't speak up because in our high school same as her I mean we didn't have the space where anyone was telling us that transparency is key and uh-huh. like you, and that's yeah. real nurturing for yourself if if you're able to open up about everything. That's huge what you're saying, Jess. Yeah, just creating an environment wherever you are that transparency is key. Mm-hmm. That that's the norm. We did that at our school, and now our school is all telling their story, and it's very transparent. Again, there's always going to be those people that are kind of, and it does turn, it changes. So now we're all doing circle this, but it takes time. But that's key, Jess. That people are all transparent and and modeling that so I can only start with the people I'm around and you guys can start with the people that surround you you teach them to be open and they'll be open with others and it does have a ripple effect thank goodness yeah it really does 
and very important. Absolutely. Um, I feel like just that idea on its own. I mean, recently, I think it comes, it comes with the times as things adjust, but recently, um, my high school started an Instagram page that was supposed to be an anonymous posting place for anyone who graduated who had a experience of sexual assault, sexual misconduct, harassment, anything. And I cannot even tell you how many allegations have already been made. Seven teachers at this moment have, don't have jobs and the students in between. It's just like, oh, my it, it says a lot about the times that in high school, all of this was completely normalized for me when I was in that high school for the like four years I was there. And now that we're out, everyone is starting to slowly kind of realize that like, we don't need to stay silent about everything we've experienced. It's okay to like make people uncomfortable. It's okay to not keep the peace. And I feel like that kind of dialogue, that kind of intention is really important and I feel like on college campuses it's beginning to transfer a bit where mm-hmm. there's a less of a desire to um, protect the perpetrator and mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of mentality that brotherhood that we often hear about and see is starting to break down so I really do think like what you were saying Jess that everyone knows someone <laughs> who's experienced it mm-hmm. and creating these ripple effects just talking it out with each other is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And something that Mr. taught us a lot was leaving people better than you found them. Mm, like, yeah. if we're if we're able to really teach people that, then there's going to be less likely that people are going to, you know, hopefully hurt each other and hopefully do harm. Um, leaving people better than you found them is crucial. You know, you don't want to be – you want to be someone that builds people up. And even if they're not someone that stays in your life for the rest of your life and is not the person that you end up with, that shouldn't matter or change the amount that you want to do good. Um, yeah, Mr. Boys used to treasure chest as that example. And I always thought it was the cutest, like, visual of, like, a physical treasure chest, like putting jewels in it mm-hmm. and building them up. And even if you're not the one in the end that gets the treasure chest, like, you added to it. Mm-hmm. You, you did that. So oh, I love important. that. That's so sweet. <laughs> My my husband should get the credit. When he was dating me, he said that the problem was that I saw myself as like this treasure that had been pillaged by guys and used and torn mm-hmm. apart. And he says, if I love you, I may never get to marry you, but my job is to leave you better than I found you. So he said, I'm going to help you put your treasure chest back together. And if I get to marry you someday, I want that whole treasure. And if not, I'm going to hand it to the guy that gets you in perfect condition. So then I thought to myself, that's the man I want to marry. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, so I've taught that to the students. I actually think, like, and I think Kay would probably agree. When you guys surround yourself in our class, like we do, like we have on our calendar right now, we do this girls' day, guys' day discussion where we put the boys in the inside circle and the girls ask candid questions and they talk and vice versa. We flip flop it. Things come out of that time. And when girls are talking openly about being sexually mistreated or being objectified, yeah. I think if you're helping, it might make some guys uncomfortable. But I think it's so important they're in an environment where no one's saying to them, you've done this or you've done that. So they can just evaluate. Am I that person? Am I? And I remember always wondering where it was going to go. We started this class and here I've got this girl crying, you know, in one of the first classes of peer helping about being uh, molested by her uncle and like how her boy's going to react. And she ran out the room on the porch, crying her head off. And the first ones out the door were three big boys holding her. And I still have that picture because it was like for me the beginning where I thought, okay, 
This is what the world needs. And for all we know, one of those boys might have been a guy tempted to take advantage of someone, or, or but it changes him when he sees someone he cares about laying bare their soul, saying the pain they've been in because of how they were treated. And I think when we silence these things, we give power to people that are making bad choices. They they need to feel bad. They need to hear how bad it makes people feel. So I actually feel all the years Kay was in class, and you have random boys, and you know this. There are all kinds of boys. Yeah. Raised like that. I think it changes them for the future. I, I like to believe that. I couldn't change no, there, what I'm doing. Yeah. There were. There were boys that I knew um, in the class personally that would, you know, be that were creepier at some points or doing things outside of class. And then, you know, things like girls, day guys, it would happen. And girls would point like ask them like questions that were just really upfront and real and raw. And you would see them kind of sit there and think. And I've had guys in the class in the past, they have me for things. I had one guy be like, I made a really inappropriate comment about your mom. And I know he did. He made it my, we had parents day. All the parents came and my mom's younger. And, you know, one of my really good friends in the class made a really a comment that made me really uncomfortable about my mom. That was like more sexual. And I was like appalled. I'm like, I'm really close with you. I, you know, a lot about me. We're really close to helping. We've talked a lot. Um, and I just remember later on coming back and being like, that was completely inappropriate. And I know it made you uncomfortable and I should have never done that. Um, and I'm never going to do anything like that going forward. Um, we had a guy in our class who, you know, wasn't being the best to his girlfriend. And I confronted and was like, that's why do you think you can treat her like that? You have a sister at home. If a guy ever treated your sister at home like that, would you ever be okay with it? And I remember him being like, no, I I wouldn't. I would never be okay with that. I would probably beat him up, to be honest. And he was like, you know, you're right. Like, it's hard to admit. Like, it's really uncomfortable to sit here and think about. It's really hard to sit here and think about it. But, but you're not wrong. And so I kind of have to face it when you put it in terms that, you know, are really upfront. Um, Girls Take Guys Day, I think, was a really good idea that we had for that class, that you had for that class, that just kind of really put a lot of things into perspective. We talked a lot about, like, sexual things and crushes and boundaries was a huge one. But, like, what people are comfortable with, you know? Nudes was a huge one. Like, why do you think it's okay to send girls nude pictures that we don't ask for? Why is it okay to ask for them in general when people aren't comfortable with that? And we had a lot of guys in the class be like, it's not cool. Let's let's be honest. Let's be honest right here. Like, it's not cool, and we know that, and we should know that, and guys should know that. So. I definitely agree with Ms. Herb, especially about that event. Wow. Yeah. Just pointing out and making, bringing light to things, right? It's really important. So there's not hidden secrets that people do. Yeah. It's important. I have a question, sure. uh, Ms. Herb. Uh, so why do you think in general there is such a stigma surrounding mental health and the discussion of it? I, I think that's changing. Do you guys think it's starting to change where people can say um, mental health is just like any kind of health, right? Where um, if my leg is broken, I'm going to go get it bandaged. So why can't something in here be broken or, you know, if my heart's messed up or um, – It's interesting because I think maybe 
people have had so many secrets. Secrets are never good, right? And so then there's people that are hiding things that they're not proud of, and then um, they're not healing and getting help, so it's it's growing in them, whatever that beast or that demon is in their life. Um, I think we're breaking that stigma now, though. Don't you guys kind of feel that? I feel all we're talking about in society right now is mental health. But maybe that's just my circle. Are you guys feeling that at the college? I feel um, that. Went away. I feel like people are able to say, now I need to see a counselor. If you talk to people, most people are seeing a counselor or they're saying, I saw a doctor for meds or, um, but maybe it might be who I'm surrounded by though. Cause I'm so open that people might, I don't know. Like I'm curious what you guys are experiencing. I think I agree to the extent that I believe it is coming a bit more to the forefront of like media's attention and just a bit of the general public, the mm-hmm. conscious, like, it's shifting in that direction. I think there are still a lot of people who um, might view discussions of like vulnerable discussions of your own issues as being um, like asking for attention or kind of coming at it from the wrong angle. I think there are so many people who hold that mentality where it's like, Oh, you're just saying that to get attention. Oh, you're just doing this, like that kind of thing or the stigma around um, getting medications. Like you're crazy if you do that because only crazy people take those. And it's like, I, mean, I got my Lexapro, my Lorazepam, like right here. I can feel comfortable saying, I mean, they're a godsend for me. But I think there is still a bit of a disconnect, but I think it's becoming a bit more uh, commonplace to talk about it, which I'm so grateful for to have that shift beginning Mm -hmm. because I have, I'm grateful to have the group of friends I do back home. We're all raised very similarly. We have the same mentalities on things so we can talk candidly at the beginning of quarantine we had a whole discussion about like okay our mental health is going to struggle like when you're in your low place do you want us to like drop you by food do you want us to call and in on you do you want to be alone like let's get this sorted out because things are going to be rough and when it comes to like the personal circles I feel like that's the biggest thing we can work on like on ourselves is just kind of taking care of the people in our direct sphere of influence and hoping that that just kind of radiates out more yeah, I think people that struggle need to be open about it. So, like, it, when I got in trouble years ago for that video, that's three minutes long, with it, it was, we had a beauty pageant queen saying she's, you know, from our school, saying she had won all these beauty pageants, saying I, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I'm on meds. And, again, that shocked people. I've seen this video when you've got football players saying they've been suicidal or you've got these different profile kids that we label and identify a certain way. So I think um, the more, again, if we go back to people being transparent and open, it's not scary when you see someone that you kind of look up to say, I struggle, yeah. then it's okay to struggle. So I think giving those mm-hmm. people a platform that people look up to, giving them a voice, um, really, really important. Um, and and it, whoever it is, whether it's um, someone that's well-known or someone that's shy, uh, we all struggle with mental health, right? We just got to give it a voice and, and talk about it. And it's a real thing. Um taking away like that's no big deal like i'm gonna talk about it um so you guys are already starting just by doing something like this where maybe you'll have some friends hear this and they might talk to you go oh yeah you know i wonder or Mm -hmm. wonder about this person i wonder i think people are prideful and they don't want to be weak so that's why they hide it absolutely i feel like there was so much strength in our class because the for we do the first week of class was life stories and it was like sharing as much or as little as you want and you can go as deep or as superficial as you want and 
it really gives people the opportunity to do whatever they're comfortable with at that time. And over years, most people end up going deeper the longer they're in the program. But the first life story that we hear is yours, Mr. And you are, you put it on the table so plainly and like just real with all of us, like as we're peers, which that is so important because going into a program like you're helping, I feel like I understand why it could be daunting to like do those things. Cause there's a teacher right here and you don't want to, you don't want the adult to know what's going on. You don't want the person that's in authority almost it's scarier that way for them to know what's going on or what happened. And yeah. You coming in and you being honest about the different things you've struggled with and being real with us and leveling with us and being like, okay, did I lose you? You're, you froze, but we hear you. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I so think. In space, but we're hearing you. <laughs> okay, wait. I was like, I thought I lost you all. Um, we're probably this time. Time. the last time, too. Did, my phone didn't die this time. Last time, my phone died. Um, no, I just feel crucial. It was what made everyone more open to, you know, telling their own stuff. Like, I don't think it, it had just been students going up, I don't think I would have ever shared as much as I did. I don't think I would have been as honest about how it saved my life because even acknowledging that was really difficult. Um, you know, during my first respect assembly where I said it out loud, it was yeah. such like a daunting moment. But I remember just sitting back and being like, Miss Herb, our teacher, sat here and told us so many things just up front. Like, that's so empowering. Like, this is going to empower others that way. Um and my parents were in the crowd for one of those audiences, and I remember them coming up to me, and it was my brother, his girlfriend, and my parents, and they ran up afterwards and were like, that was crazy to watch for one, because we would have never expected you doing this. Um, <laughs> like, this is not what we thought. But then also, just like, I remember my mom just hugging me for so long. Yeah. And being like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Like, she's not even someone who was coming to me for help. And she was someone that was like, wow, that was, like, empowering. And that was crazy to see and hear. And it, she told me, she's like, it breaks my heart. Like, I wish I would have known. She's like, but this was, this is a godsend. Like, this class and mm-hmm. you being able to, you know, come out here and do this. And that was the first time I had other students come up to me and be like, I want to peer counsel with you. Or they would come into the class and be like, can I request K? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm doing all these really amazing things. Like, my story is actually able to help. And I don't think that would have been much of an option or a thought in my mind if you hadn't also been, you know, as transparent as you were. So I, I think that's, that's key. That's a perfect example of how ripple effect happens. So I open up, now you open up, now kids are opening up to you, and then and then we've seen that on our campus. Our our high school campus is a different place. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. People are broken, but broken can be beautiful, right? Yes. Absolutely. Well, if you have... Just if you could summarize just in whatever you think would be the most important part to take away, what do you think would be the most important aspect of this program that could be implemented at high schools? Just if it can't be the whole program, just like a part of it that could maybe benefit people the most. I would even say it's a, something that is the most important piece for people of all ages. Because I've worked at care facilities for elderly. I think people are longing to belong. 
And you need to create spaces where everyone feels like they belong. Uh, what was it? Mother Teresa said that the worst illness in the world is loneliness. Um, you know, people are aching to be loved. Um, so I think we have to create spaces everywhere, whether it's in a care facility with elderly people, whether it's in a college campus, in a dorm, where people belong. And they don't have to look the same. They don't have to act like Kay was describing, you know, Austin, yes, was it overcoming? He got addicted to Xanax, so no one trusted him, but he overcame it. And that was his voice. He was telling people, don't let Xanax mess you up like it did me. I'm so much happier without it. And that was his platform. So it's like you can't make it a place where only certain people are welcome. <laughs> Everyone has to be welcome. And um, I, I think creating space where people talk on a real level, where it's not fake, right? No one wants fake. You want to go somewhere where you just can be yourself. Take a deep breath. And if it's a bad day, people don't care. Um it's been a great year for me because of COVID. I've stopped caring about, like, I go to school with my hair all over the place. No one made fun of it. And I'm like, ah, oh, these people accept me. And it's like, been good. <laughs> I mean, something that's so stupid, right? But just that you feel wherever you are, you're accepted. That's, that's so important. important. That's the one thing. So I think sometimes we think, oh, there's like, oh, we want them to have all these emotional intelligence abilities and make sure they've got, you know, social awareness and that they can reflect and grow and, oh, yeah, and peer counseling skills. And, yeah, Kay knows about reportable instances, supportable instances. It doesn't – none of that measures to anything as a student anywhere or an old person somewhere or some person in a – whether they're in a school for the blind, because I have blind students this year, she talked about how isolated that could be. So she's at our school, but she's the only blind student, right? That's different, too. But coming in, feeling seen and belonging is, like, key. And that would help a lot of people's mental health because there are people that do things out of ache for that, right? They are looking for help in other ways because they're broken, whether it's cutting themselves, whether it's taking pills, whether it's letting boys take advantage of them or vice versa. Um, you know, people compromise themselves for the sake of what? I want to fit in. I want someone to accept me. So that's that's what I would say. Any program needs that. People need that. Absolutely. So, you guys, it was really nice of you to invite me to hang out with you. Really. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. taking the time out of your schedule to come speak with us. This is beautiful. Um, please take a peek at some of the videos, maybe. It'll tell you a little bit about who we are. and. Um, yeah, and I and I hope to hear you guys are. I hear, I'd love to hear what you're up to. So shoot me emails and tell me what you're gonna. We will. Okay. <laughs> we'll definitely update you when it's all when everything's up. Um, we have our senior showcase in a few weeks where we have to present it to the rest of our department and all that. So it should be uploaded by then. Um, so it should only be a couple weeks. So. Well, it's been really neat to meet you guys. You're great. Yeah. Been really fun. So have a good night. Thanks so yeah, much. Thank you so much, Mr. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.